Hi, and welcome to All Things Divorce. I'm Lonnie Sheldon, the host of All Things Divorce podcast. Today, I'm here with Dr. John Moran, although he goes by Jack. So hi, Jack. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Lonnie, for having me. So uh, Jack is a clinical psychologist who specialized in family court matters for more than three decades. He has worked with more than a thousand families over the course of his career, performed several hundred custody evaluations, served as parenting coordinator, and provided uh, services for hundreds of families navigating the challenges of divorce and establishing the next chapter for the family. Uh, for the last 15 years, Dr. Moran has specialized in families with the families that confronted resist and refuse dynamics. And that's such a big thing here. I know everyone calls this um, alienation, right? And right, so yeah. you guys have kind of steered away from that, actually, that right. wording, haven't you? Um, so the resistant refuse dynamics, such as parent alienation, um, but I, I don't think so many people aren't calling that anymore, I think. Is that true? Right. Yeah. The terms become so lo emotionally loaded and has multiple meetings. So the professionals tend to call it uh, parent-child contact problems or resist-refuse dynamics, I think. They refer to parent alienating behaviors. Okay. So that there's clearly behaviors that parents can do that alienate the affections of the children. But it's not a syndrome. It, and to characterize somebody as alienating is really inflammatory at this point. Okay. Um, and so in addition to writing uh, chapters and journal articles, he's co-authored two books, Resist-Refuse Problems, which actually I very often recommend to clients. So uh, Overcoming the Parenting Trap, which is, these are very easy to read and very helpful for parents, by the way. Uh, it's the essential skills when a child resists a parent. And that one is actually for the parent who's being, the, the parent who's the outed parent, right? Right, the resistant parent, right. Right. And uh, the other one is Overcoming the Alienation Crisis, 33 Co-Parenting co Solutions. So these are both great Super easy to read books and really helpful. He provides training and consultations to family, individuals, behavioral health professionals, attorneys, judges nationally and internationally. He's he's really, I, I don't know how to sort of say this without making you sound, you know, older. <laughs> um, but you you were there at the beginning of this. You were, right. you know, at the at the very beginning of, you know, after moms got to have the kids all the time, right? right. Uh, when you really started looking at the psychology of the family dynamics in Arizona, you were you were on board at the very beginning. You were on there with my husband, right? I mean, right. The, the board. So right. uh, I, think I did my first presentation on alienation in Arizona in 1998. Wow. Okay. So yeah. And so, years ago. Yeah. You, so he knows his stuff. Um, we're not really talking about that today, but I, I do want to just, as I always do, is uh, the podcast is meant for information and entertainment purposes only. Listening to this podcast does not create an attorney-client privilege, nor does it create a doctor-patient privilege or relationship with Dr. Moran. We, um, I'm licensed only in Arizona. Dr. Moran is licensed in Arizona and in Florida. Um, though the things that we're going to talk about can can easily be applied outside Arizona and even outside the United States. These are, these are very common uh, things. So today we are talking about um, forgiving the hurts of divorce and this is hard, right? You've been divorced. I've been divorced. Right. Um, there's a lot of pain. You know, it's not the people that you don't like that hurt you. It's the people that you've loved the most that can really hurt you that where the right. forgiveness needs to be. So what 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 kind of caught you to to choose this topic to talk about? That's very interesting. Well, you know, I've been working with 
let's just for convenience sake call them alienation dynamics. And, you know, understanding that alienation is not one-sided, that usually both parents are contributing, that oftentimes it involves domestic violence. And I don't want to shortchange any of that. That's sort of a topic for another time. But to answer your question, I've been working on this problem since 1998 and just find it so very difficult to get the families to change. So I keep looking and looking and looking and what, you know, what would be helpful to these families. And what became apparent over time was that the bitter feeling and the deep emotional grudges that people have that are so difficult led me to look at the forgiveness literature. And forgiveness until the mid-1990s was considered by sight by behavioral health people, I think, primarily in the domain of religion. And of course, each of the world's major religions has important teachings about forgiveness. But beginning in the 1990s, psychologists, there were three in particular who began to scientifically study forgiveness and how do you promote forgiveness. In the last 25 years, they've developed a really impressive body of literature about what forgiveness is and and what intervention seems to help promote forgiveness for people who have been emotionally hurt. So that's how I that's how I got into uh, this topic. Well, and that's that's really great. Are you going to be able to? Do you have any books that maybe I can link afterwards uh, for people learning to forgive? Have you have you sure, written anything yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can I can send you a couple links. I mean, there's actually a fellow by the name of Everett Worthington. Worthington at Virginia Commonwealth University, who has do-it-yourself workbooks on his website. Oh, okay. Those are quite good. Yeah. Okay, that's that's great. So yeah, so I'll get some links after we after we finish recording this. That'd be great. Sure. Um, so I mean, look, I've been divorced, and I'm a super forgiving person. Like I, I have friends of mine get frustrated with me because I am super forgiving. I I just. I just don't have an issue with it. Maybe it's because of my religion. Maybe it's because look at if I want to be forgiven, I have to forgive, right? I can't, I can't do that. But, but some people really hold grudges. And is that the same thing as unforgiveness? Well, it is. I mean, there's actually, you're mentioning two things. One is that the research shows that people differ in what's referred to as trait forgiveness. And some people are simply more forgiving than others. And then there is what's called state forgiveness. And so that is a particular act has occurred and how forgiving are people when they approach that act. So, you know, in marriages, for example, an infidelity is, you know, certainly a capital crime. And people are going to vary in, in how easily they're able to, you know, process that hurt and get into a more forgiving state of mind. But one of the, the critical, a critical piece of all of this is that. When we're emotionally injured, and the, the more significant emotional injury is, and the closer the person is to us who, and, you know, is the cause of that injury, the more deeply there's this cascade of cognitions, feelings, and behaviors. And the cognitions are angry, negative thoughts about the other person, a, tend to, a tendency to stereotype them, you know, this shows that she's borderline or whatever it may be that the affect is anger, bitterness, uh, maybe a desire for revenge, and behaviorally, it's a tendency to avoid the person. So those are all really deep. And they, if, if it oftentimes, depending on the mag, you know, the size of the hurt, takes a long time for people to get over. I mean, with somebody who's been the victim of an infidelity, you know, I think typically it takes a year or two or more 
for the trust to be reestablished. So indeed, you know, the idea is that the opposite of forgiveness is unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is very much like holding a grudge. It's as if the person just keeps rehearsing the unfairness and the injustice and how awful it was for them. And they stay stuck in that kind of negative thinking cycle and emotional cycle. So when when family members get caught up in this, like like how do they get caught up? Is it just the 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 neurons keep firing the negative, like negatively reinforcing it? Kind of how does that happen? Well, you know, it depends on a number of things. I mean, number one, I guess, among them is what's called you know, called rumination. And you know, rumination comes from actually uh cow biology, I guess. You know, cows have multiple stomachs, and so they eat the grass. The grass goes into stomach number one, and then it passes to stomach number two, where it's rechewed. And so that's rumination. It's just rechewing over and over and over. And so, you know, when we do that, when we rehearse or recall negative events, it calls up the negative affect with it. And so it kind of, you know, becomes a self-sealing cycle. But, you know, it depends, too, on on how serious the hurt is. So, for example, in... in, uh, you know, the cases that I deal with, if the parent feels like the other parent is not safe for the children, they're going to have extremely strong feelings about the desire to protect the child. Or if on the other side, the parent feels like they're being deprived of their access to their children and their right to parent their children. I mean, how much stronger can the, can the feelings get than that? So, it, you know, it just tends to really get embittered and entrenched and become very difficult to, to work your way out of. So now you did talk about a book that 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 person has online, but are there, does psychology have um, a therapy to promote forgiveness? It does. So these folks uh, have, interestingly, you know, this shows you, the, you know, how things work in psychology, but there's three psychologists who are all university-based who are studying forgiveness. And so this is really a good situation because they're university-based so they, they have a clinic on the campus. They then set up their forgiveness groups. They develop a manual for the group. And then they can start running these groups and then, you know, having weightless control conditions and everything else. And so they can get some good scientific data behind it. And so there's, there's three major approaches, one by a fellow by the name of Robert Enright. He's sort of the first pioneer in the field. And then this other fellow that I mentioned, Everett Worthington, He's the second biggest uh, figure in the field and that and writes written books, um, Five Steps to Forgiveness or How to Forgive. And Worthington has, you know, his website with free materials on the website. So there's there is a therapy. And I mean, I can if you'd like me to I can quickly run you run through some of the steps in the therapy. Love to hear some of the steps because I I, I am going to sort of push further because I, I mean, look, there's as a family law attorney. Right. There's, we all have clients who just can't forgive. And so after you give me those steps, I might ask for like, you know, another one or two, like, what can we really do to, to help push this? Because yeah. So if you can give me steps, I I'm sure our listeners would love to hear that. Um, and, and, you know, anything to learn to help them get through it because is the, the unforgiveness is part of what actually causes a lot of the alienation, right? Whether it's, right. whether it's purposeful or not purposeful, right. uh, you know, I've seen some people that just, they don't even seem like they're, they're not trying, they're not trying to alienate. They just 
do certain things or say certain things that right. that create that that resistance with their child going there. And a lot of that might be their own, the, their own needs, right? For uh, the child to feel like they need to be there and take care of that parent. Right. Well, you know, it's clear that there's a ton of research that shows the first year or two after the divorce, you know, more than 80% of the couples are angry at one another and feel hostile. After, you know, two or three years, it's down to about 20%. The other, you know, 80% have kind of processed it and they're like, okay, fine, let's just get on with things here. But um, the, the, uh, the other situation that I see in my treatment cases is that it may be that, you know, the mom and dads have fought about whether alienation occurs or not. And that fight kind of ends and the parents agree, okay, we got to do something to pull this family back together. So both parents are interested in doing that. And then it's the kids who are hanging on to unforgiveness. And you can't motivate them. It's like, it's really hard to motivate them. I mean, the parents are motivated because they know it's right and they want to be moral people and they want to be forgiving, loving people. And the kids are like, I don't care, you know, I'm doing fine. So that's a, that's another, that's a difficult problem. But, you know, first off is that you have to recognize that, you know, forgiveness has been around for 3,000 years or more and it's accumulated a lot of meanings. And so first, from a psychological point of view, is to define what it's not. So forgiveness is not condoning, it's not pardoning, it's not agreeing to have a relationship with anybody. It's really a personal process. And technically speaking, forgiveness is an individual's process in which they are tired of the kind of anger and emotional turmoil that they have towards this person that hurt them. And so then forgiveness is, has two components. And one component is making the decision to forgive the other person. And that's basically saying, okay, I'm going to renounce all the negative thoughts that I have about this person. When I see myself thinking about what, you know, how terrible they are, this awful thing that they've done, I'm going to interrupt that thought and get to a more, you know, neutral place, maybe even a compassionate place. So the first part is making a decision to forgive. And if you stop that emotional cycling, that the person then the emotions kind of move from the negative end of the spectrum into neutral. The second part of forgiveness is emotional forgiving. And that's where you, you, in order to do that, the steps are to try and understand what led this person to do this. I mean, how are they, you know, where did this behavior problem come from that would lead them to make such a bad judgment? And so it's getting into a place where all the anger and resentment is replaced with more positive emotions. So that could be sympathy, compassion, um, you know, wishing well for them that, okay, I'm not going to have a relationship with you, or I wish that you would have some experience. You'd meet somebody that would teach you about how bad your temper really is or how your inability to be emotionally attuned to people is really just hurting you or making your life shallow. So, you know, so again, then forgiveness has two parts. One is making the emotional decision, I mean, the, the cognitive decision to let go of the anger. And the second part is the emotional forgiveness. And that's making the decision to somehow get yourself to think about this person in a more benevolent way. It's pretty easy to decide. And I think attorneys can help their clients and say, you ought to decide to not exercise these angry thoughts because, you know, they're just upsetting you. You're not doing anything to the other person. But convincing somebody that they ought to have empathy for the person that hurt them so much or is scaring them so much, that's a, 
that's a bigger hill to climb. I mean, I think that's a hill to climb in all relationships, not just divorce. I mean, gosh, marriage is, you know, daily of that, right? Just go, all right, well, he's doing that because of this, or she's doing that because of that. Um, And so, I mean, forgiveness is used everywhere and and it's necessary everywhere. Um, But what are some tips? So you said, you said that understanding that it's emotional you got to get through the emotional and the cognitive is, and those are both necessary. Yeah. Do you, are there any like tricks that you could, and I, I know tricks, maybe not the right word, <laughs> um, but you know, something, just a little something, something that you could kind of tell us um, that helps push that. So was, was, is that empathy? Is that, is that what you're talking about with that? Well, it is empathy. I mean, I think that within the individual who's been hurt, First is to say, my top priority is to feel at peace. And this is really getting in the way of my feeling of peace. And so if this is going to help me to get back to a feeling of peacefulness, then I'm, you know, I'll try that. And so then it's to, you know, to practice, you know, well, self-interruption or emotional regulation skills. And it's to say, when I'm upset, I need to interrupt that and do my meditation or my prayer or my exercise or my timeout, whatever it is. That pulls me out of that cycle, you know, that sort of stampede that happens in the brain and puts me back into a peaceful place, makes me feel connected with nature, makes me feel appreciation for life's beauties and little pleasures. That on the emotional side, it's, you know, recognizing the, the tendency to avoid people. It may be making a decision to stop avoiding people. You know, so for couples, you know, let's say that are having a t- tough divorce, it may be that that they refuse to look at each other at extracurricular events and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to walk up to this person and say, hey, you know, good game, huh? And then it's to, uh, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, there's exercises, for example, of think about the person who offended you when they were five years old. Imagine them when they were five years old and how they were sweet and innocent and loving And what happened to them between the ages of five and 35 that resulted in them, you know, turning out to be this person who's not loving the way that you would hope that they would be. So to try and understand what motivated them and, you know, broadening it out instead of saying this is a deficient person, getting a bigger picture of the whole thing. Um, You know, some of the other things, as you said, we all need forgiveness that we all, in our relationships, we offend other people, other people offend us. We all make mistakes that we regret. And so you say, okay, you know, let's remember a time that I needed forgiveness and it was granted to me and how, how grateful I was for that. Well, my partner needs forgiveness. And am I just withholding that because I like that he's you know, turning on a nail? Or, you know, is there a little bit of revenge motivation going on here? Am I still holding on to some of the anger and not minding that he's suffering with this relationship with the kids? And so, you know, appreciating times that we've needed forgiveness, appreciating that all of us are capable of uh, very bad behavior, that under the right circumstances, any of us will do something that's regrettable. So, you know, this was some circumstances for this person. So then, you know, you can also make, uh, this is really hard for some people, but try and make a gratitude list. 
of the things that this other person has done that you're like, okay, they're not totally bad. They're a human being. You know, they're a mix of and, and you wouldn't difference. have you wouldn't have the kids without them, right? I mean, that's always what I say. I mean, I'm always thankful for my ex just because I've got these kids that I love more than anything. And I wouldn't have those kids but for my ex. Right. So I think that's one. It, look, if you can't find anything to be grateful for, at least there's that one, right? Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that that happens typically, and sort of like you know, the reason that I started Propercom was because sometimes somebody continues to be mean. So how do you forgive someone when they continue to be mean to you? And I know we didn't talk about this one, so it's kind of a a pop quiz. (laughs) You know, that's fine. I mean, I I think that, um, you know, one answer to that is, is, you know, if you think about what Christ did when he was on the cross, I mean, he said, you know, forgive them, Father, they know not what they're doing. And most of the time, that's relevant to these situations. But, you know, when somebody, you know, continues to be mean, you do two things. Number one is you don't let yourself get re-victimized. So there's part of the anger about being hurt that's justified, and it's really healthy anger. And it's a way of drawing your boundaries and saying, okay, I'm going to be strong. I'm not going to let this person hurt me. So, you know, it's using, I think, that strength to not get pulled back into the meanness rather to find a way of kind of rising above it and keeping, you know, taking the high road kind of thing. But it's, you know, what can you say if 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 you're in a relationship, you know, with a parent who continues to be mean and your life is going to be peppered with all of this ugliness and vindictiveness and everything, it's like I, you know, I've, you know, what can you say except for that's a tough road. Boy, that's a big challenge. But the person has to, um, I guess they have to dig deep. And just say, I want to be compassionate. You know, I don't, I just don't want to be vengeful. I don't want to get pulled into the world. And that's, that's really where I found it was, I didn't want to get pulled into the, the chaos of, of the anger in my divorce. Um, Now, there are triggers also, right? So sometimes there might be, people might get re-angered. And, and I always tell my clients, look, as soon as you see a new girlfriend or boyfriend, you're going to want to throw up in your mouth a little bit when you, right. when you hear of somebody, you you know, your ex getting pregnant or your ex getting somebody pregnant or right. getting remarried or a new baby's born or, you know, going on a fancy vacation. There's things that are very frustrating yeah. uh, for people. And how do you, you know, if, if they've sort of gotten through the anger, but weirdly these feelings are coming up when they thought that they were done. Yeah. What do they do with that? Well, first off, I think they have to, to adjust their understandings of, of even what forgiveness is. And those forgiveness doesn't mean the bad feelings go away. You know, it, it means more that they're really, I guess, kind of insulated or they're contained in a way. But absolutely, divorce, uh, you know, for years and years and years, the, the hurts of divorce keep coming because of the stresses and the challenges, all those things that you, you decided, I think, are good examples of how that feeling of being hurt gets it's another hurt it's a small hurt it's not as big a hurt but it's a small hurt and that the person just has to keep absorbing that feeling it being honest with themselves about it not minimizing it and say and then i think really going into self-care so the other side of the coin is for people to imagine themselves as a five-year-old and that these are these are hurts that are felt in a very fundamental way the way children do 
because the bond that you had to that person is as total a commitment, you know, a giving of the self as you can. And so the hurt really goes down to the core. And so sometimes, the, you know, a good solution is just to say, I just have to take a few minutes and go inside and comfort myself as if I'm comforting a five-year-old child. So, you know, a lot of that self-soothing behavior. I, lo- I love that. I, I love the self-care part of it because I think that's so helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, if if something, if, if you start recognizing something as that's bad as, okay, well, I'm going to get to have this self-care now, you know, you're right. a little pity party, right? right. Um, and, you know, whether that's take a bubble bath, meditate, go get a massage. Right. I happen to like retail therapy. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so there, there are ways to kind of get through stuff and just to get through it. And then once you're through it, and it, you get better at getting through it, right? All right. Well, you know, one way of defining the difference between a good day and a bad day is that when we're in stress, you know, whether we're being hurt or, you know, you've just gotten a letter from the other attorney that's, you know, infuriating, you know, in those kinds of days, our automatic thinking, this chatter that goes on in our mind gets really activated. And so you get the letter, you know, that mischaracterizes you in some way. And the rest of that day, your mind is going to go back to that letter 50, 60, 100 times. So 100 times, you have to do self-care. You have to see your mind going back to that, being how angry and upset you are and saying, that's out there. You know, I'm going to come back to this part of me that's calm. I'm going to come back, you know, into my absolute, you know, most mature, highest, highest areas, because the emotionality, you know, tends to be more basic and, you know, kind of biological and stuff. And it runs its course and you can't stop it from running its course. You can only kind of be at the top of the mountain and look down on it and just say, okay, that's that's okay. That's there. I'm up here. I'm not gonna let that dominate. Yeah, I like I like that. Just let it run its course is yeah. is really it has to do it. So don't fight it. Right. Um, and just you know, kind of get through it that way. Well, right. thank you so much. Thank you so much for your input and thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I will add the um, the links that you, that we'll talk about sure. uh, or that we talked about earlier, I'll add those links too. So thank you so much for being okay, here, Jack. Great to see you. Hello to everybody for me. Oh, thank you. Especially Steve.